So we uh, started last week a series called Therefore. Uh, and if you're new with us, this is the, the second week of this, but each of these talks are going to be uh, kind of self-contained in a lot of ways. And um, I'm Jay, I'm the lead pastor, by the way, and so welcome if you are new with us. And, uh, and so this, this idea of therefore, um, biblical truths that enable obedience. So the, the word therefore really meaning like considering all that has come before or uh, keeping all of that in mind, that idea, you know, consequently blank. And I had somebody tell me uh, a few years ago that whenever you see the word therefore in the scriptures that uh, we should ask, I wonder what that's there for. Uh, because that means it's really important. Uh, and when we see something that's really important, especially in the word of God, we need to pay attention to it. And you're gonna see a progression in, in the scriptures when you see that, where you'll see what has led up to that moment maybe an issue or a problem or something along those lines. And then from there, establishing what it is that we should do and instruction for what to do and where to go. And as that video talked about, and even as we've sung about a little bit, we're going to talk about a couple of things today um, that affect all of us. Some things that we all struggle with, uh, two things particularly that we all struggle with on some level. And they're, these things are responsible in many ways for a lot of the anxiety that a lot of people feel. Um, and the reason why, quite frankly, some people won't entertain the idea of faith in Jesus, let alone come to church. And that is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. These are two things that all of us deal with, struggle with on some level. Guilt, the way we define that, meaning having committed some offense or crime, um, feeling of, of having done wrong or failure in an obligation. I was supposed to, but I didn't, and so I feel guilty. And shame usually comes along with that, and defining shame would be humiliation for doing something that you knew was wrong or foolish. And so I want you to see how the Bible really kind of deconstructs our guilt and, and our shame as believers. And if you're not a believer, and you feel the weight of guilt and shame. First of all, I want you to know you're welcome, and I'm glad that you're here watching online. Secondly, boy, do I have some good news for you in, in the scriptures. And I believe that these two things, guilt and shame, I believe that they're linked. They're linked together, and they often compound each other and really feed each other. So let me start with this. Guilt keeps us trapped in the past, and shame tells us that we're unworthy of forgiveness. These are what guilt and shame do to us. This is what it does. It keeps us trapped in the past. And shame tells us that we're unworthy of forgiveness. And both of these things are not of God. Both of these mentalities are not of God. Guilt and shame, they can be paralyzing forces. They can paralyze us. They can isolate us from the love and acceptance that we all desperately need from God because we think we don't deserve it. Now, through acknowledging our fault, through seeking forgiveness and accepting God's grace and gaining an understanding of him and, and his power and his plan for us, we can find redemption, we can find freedom um, and the chains of guilt and shame can fall away. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Romans chapter eight. 
book of Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be living there most of the day. And, uh, and you can follow along in the Bible app uh, for sure. Just look for Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and you can follow along there with me. And, and we're going to really just start with the very first verse of Romans chapter 8, because quite frankly, there's a whole sermon wrapped up in this one verse, and it's a fantastic verse that I absolutely love. And if you're a believer, you should absolutely love this verse too. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That verse right there in and of itself, every one of us, whether we say it audibly or think it internally, should amen this particular verse. Because this is an incredible verse. If I stopped right now, this is, this is awesome. This is an awesome verse. And every time you read it, you shouldn't be blown away by what this is saying. Because it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I understand that the word therefore is not there right here. Because it says, so now there. But that's just because of the translation I chose to use for this particular one. It does say, therefore, in the NIV and the KJV and the ESV and the NASB. Anyway, <laughs> Bible wasn't written in English, right? So condemnation, though is really the thing that, that I want to look at for just a second because it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And condemnation in the biblical context is more than just a very strong disapproval. I think we, we see that word, condemnation, and a lot of times we might think, if you know what that word means, you may just think that that means like disapproval. And, and it does, but it's more than that. It's, it, it means way more than that. It's, it actually signifies like a declaration of, of an evildoer to be guilty, like, uh, like deserving of punishment kind of guilty. That's what that is really referring to. So what it's saying is that the guilt and the shame of your sin has been removed if you belong to Christ Jesus. It has been removed. Here's what it's saying. No means no right? No means no. And, and we, don't, we don't do that in, in here and in, in here. We think less condemnation. What that doesn't say is that it's less condemnation. For many of us, our, our thinking goes to this level of like, oh, well, my status has improved with Jesus, that, that our status has been improved. Your status hasn't been improved, that's not what has happened. It's been completely transformed. So it's way more than just being improved. It's been transformed. It's been changed. No condemnation means no. So I want to consider the flip side of that, though, because that's great news for those who trust Jesus and for those who are followers of Jesus. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. That should, that's freedom right there. And we're going to dive into that even more as we go through. But but I want you to consider the flip side for a second here because if you're not in Christ Jesus, I think there's always interesting things to see in what the Bible doesn't say or the reverse of what it is saying. Because if you're not in Christ Jesus, that means that there is condemnation for you. And if your faith is not in Jesus and you are willingly walking in your sinful nature, then you've not escaped it. And that's all there is to it. So that's why this is good news for those who, who follow Jesus. So let's keep reading. Verse two through four. Paul keeps going. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. 
So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So let me explain it to you this way. Let me use this analogy. If you go to an airport and you see the planes that are sitting there, the law of gravity is keeping them down on the ground, right? But when the engines fire up, the law of aerodynamics takes over and gravity while it's still there and is still pulling on the planes, there now is a higher power, there is a higher force at work that allows them to overcome the law of gravity and be lifted into the air. And that's a great analogy for what Paul is saying here for us. So are we free from, from the law of sin and death because of just positive thinking? No, that's not what this is saying. We are free by the spirit of Jesus who lives in us and is enabling us to fly and to overcome sin and death. See, the weakness of the law, as Paul's talking about here, the weakness of the law is that you can't keep it. And that's a fact. You can't keep the law. You can try your hardest. You can read the Bible for three hours a day uh, as soon as you get up in the morning and then you can pray for the next two hours um, and that's great and then you can do a devotional and that's awesome and then you can watch right now media for the rest of the day if you want and anything and everything in between but inevitably your own weakness is going to find you and your sinful nature is going to get you and it's going to get me it's going to get all of us because we are sinful people and that is why Paul is praising God here that's why Paul is praising the Lord for sending Jesus to take care of it because Jesus took care of it. He fulfilled the law and now he is in us who are believers and his spirit guides us and corrects us and frees us. And that's an incredible thing. And so we're free, but we're also free to make our own choices. Even after becoming Christians, we still are free and we still have to make a choice because you still have free will. So you're like, okay, if, if we're free, then why don't I feel free? Why don't I feel free? Why, why does the guilt pile up and I don't feel free there? Why do I feel like I'm just banging my head into the wall and wondering why the bruise won't go away? Why do I still feel chained up and locked up? Let's keep reading. Verses five through eight. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. 
So the power of sin, the power of sin is still there. Just like gravity doesn't go away when planes take off. Gravity's still there. The power of the engine and the wings has to be utilized and used properly. Verse 7 says that for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. There may not be another single verse that more completely explains how lost we are as human beings. It's a sobering verse. We can try to do good in our life. We can try and try and try without being subject to the law. We may hope to put God in debt by doing good things. We all try to do that by doing good works, thinking that God owes us. Oh, I did really good at this or that. But you know what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work because in our sinful nature, we cannot please God. We can't please God. Even if we do religious things that people admire, you could serve at VBS, such as starting next week, all, all week and all of those things. It doesn't do it for the Lord. It doesn't increase your status with Jesus, yet we think it does. It's backwards thinking. And what does the scripture say is the key? The key to, to tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit controlling us? It's our mind. Listen, if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. Okay, so just think better, right? Thanks, Jay. Great. Just give me some pixie dust on my way out and I'll fly home because I'll be thinking wonderful thoughts. <laughs> this, is not, this is not what it's saying. This is not what it's saying at all. If, if, you want, if you want an easy way to see if you're walking with the Spirit or not, then do a mind check. And by extension, that will end up being a heart check. Here's what I mean by that. Does your mind go more often than not, toward sinful gratification, toward feeding that sinful nature that you have? Does your mind more often than not think about sinful things or think about things that are of God? Think about things as it talks in Philippians 4, about things that are, that are excellent and worthy of, of God and, and, and all of the good things. Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, right? If, if, does your mind go toward those, those things or does it go toward sinful gratification? More often than not, let's do some honest evaluation of ourselves here for a minute. Be honest with yourself. Paul gets into this a little bit more in a, in a letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10. I'm just going to go over there for just a quick second. Here's what he says. And this is tough. This is tough stuff. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive, this is, listen to this, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So it's on you first. 
It's on you always, quite frankly. And that we're to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Good luck. I mean, that's, that's tough, but that's the standard that we're looking for. And can you do that on your own? Absolutely not. See the battle language that Paul is using here? I love this, and I think we need to pay attention to this. He's talking about how this is a battle. This is a war for your mind. The enemy knows that if he can influence your thinking, I mean, look, look at everything in the world around us and tell me, that, tell me that I'm wrong. If the enemy can influence your thinking, that will influence your relationship with God. And therefore, it will affect what you do or don't do. It starts there. So we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. So yes, it's a mindset, but no, it's not. Because that's the power of the Spirit of God in you and through you that allows you to do that because you can't do that on your own. Here's the reality. The war for your mind is the front line of spiritual warfare. If you don't think spiritual warfare is a real thing, let me tell you that it is. And the, and, and the battle of spiritual warfare begins here for you and for me. Look at your news feed. Look at your Instagram feed. Look at all the different things that are going on. And you tell me that the enemy is not coming after the war for your mind first and foremost because he knows that if he can get you here, he's got you here and he can get what you do there. The war for your mind is the front line of spiritual warfare. And we don't guard it and protect it nearly enough, myself included. And so we say, okay, but I don't want my thoughts to be captive to anyone. I thought I was free. I thought I could, I thought I could think whatever I want. I, I don't want my, my thoughts to be captive to Jesus. I, I want my thoughts to be free and my thoughts to be, to be mine. I mean, yeah, we'll kind of naturally go there, but let me just tell you something. That is wrong on at least two levels. That, that idea, that mentality. First, you belong to someone. Whether you want to admit that or not, it's the truth. And ultimately, we are either going to serve Jesus or we're going to serve Satan at, when it's all said and done. But secondly, and most importantly, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a purchased possession of Jesus Christ. Amen. You belong to him. And I praise God for that because I don't do a great job with myself when I belong to myself. And I know you all agree with me. And when you don't take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus, you end up with what? Guilt and shame. That's what happens. So all, we're coming all the way back around to that. When we don't take every thought and make it obedient to Jesus, we end up with guilt and shame. And why can I say that? Because both of those things are the opposite of who Jesus says that you are in him. Both of those things are the opposite of who Jesus says you are in him. Let's keep reading, verse nine. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You hear that? You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. You have been made right with God. Amen. 
That is not something we can do on our own. And if that is true, and it is, then I should have nothing to feel guilt or shame about. It says in Colossians that we stand uh, before God holy and blameless without a single fault. Colossians 1.22, I think is what it is. Look that up. It's one of my favorite verses. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you stand holy and blameless before him without a single fault because the Father is not looking at you. He's looking at Jesus through you. And so let the guilt and shame fall away because winning the war in our mind is gonna help the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit with the renewing of my mind, with, with the knowledge of the word of God to help me. Because if, if I'm renewing my mind with the knowledge of the word of God, then the war in my mind, I'm fighting that battle because I'm replacing the sinful nature in my mind with the things of God more often than not. So if you've done a mind check on yourself slash heart check, and you're noticing that over the course of my day, my brain is probably going more towards sinful stuff than it is toward godly stuff, then I would wonder how, how much time we are spending with God, how much time we're spending in prayer, how much time we're spending in God's word, and how often we're actually allowing the Holy Spirit to control what we're thinking as opposed to just letting it go other than maybe Sundays and when I'm at life group. Listen to this quote from Scotty Smith. I found this in a, in a commentary. It says this, there is no safer place in life or in death than to be in Christ. This doesn't mean that life is harmless, but it's never hopeless. Not a hair can fall from our heads, not a breath can be taken from our lungs, and not a beat can be missed by our hearts apart from his will. I love that. Life is never harmless. And we know that. All of us in here have been through things, have been through junk, have been through stuff. You probably walked in here with some stuff today that has been harmful. I'm not blowing anybody's mind when I say life is never harmless. We all know that. And even as followers of Jesus, we know that life is never harmless. However, with Jesus, it is never hopeless. Life is never harmless because it's full of sinful people, including all of us in here. But with Jesus, it is never hopeless. It is never hopeless. The things that we go through that end up, we walk in here maybe today, I, I guarantee you, some of us who walked in here today and some of us watch, watching online walked in here with a hopeless outlook on some aspect of our life. You walked in here feeling hopeless. Listen, life with Jesus is never hopeless. As a follower of Christ, we have to be willing to accept our status before God based on the work of Jesus. You have to be willing to accept what I told you it says in Colossians, that we are holy and blameless as we stand before God without a single fault. And when you accept that, when you finally can get that through your head, and it's, it's something that, that I have to remind myself of every single day as well. See, our ongoing battle with sin we all struggle to make sense of our standing before God because of that. We struggle to make sense of how can I be righteous and whole? I just screwed up. I just messed up really bad over here. I just did this there. I know I'm willingly stepping into sin over here, but man, I love Jesus and I'm working on these things. And so how can I do that? And yeah, that's the daily battle. That's the circular back and forth there. 
right? Our sins are going to impact our relationship with God. Absolutely. It's going to impact our relationship with others and even ourselves for sure. So we have to continue to live in humble surrender to the power of God's love for us in Christ and the work he's done to make a way for us to live full and abundant lives because that's what he wants for us. So I hope that you're starting to see the encouragement through this. And I hope you're starting to feel a little bit encouraged. So let me use these last two verses in this passage in Romans, and and hopefully this encourages you. It says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, Amen? amen? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Yeah, you're going to feel the urges. You're going to feel the temptations. You are not obligated to follow through on that based on the power of God. See, our debt is to Jesus, not to ourselves. And because of that, we don't have to listen We don't have to listen to the sinful desires and urges and temptations. We have the power of Jesus living inside of us. And that is more powerful and should guide us so much more than all of the other junk in this world that tries to guide us and guide our thinking. And when we understand that we're sinful by nature, we do, we all get that. We're gonna mess it up for sure. We're gonna mess it up. But we also need to understand that because of Jesus, we have been declared not guilty. Because of Jesus, we have been declared not guilty. So the connection point, the connection point for the day, which we've already gone through kind of in in many ways, is this, that therefore, consequently, because of what Jesus did, you can live without guilt and shame. You can live without guilt and shame. Paul wants us to know, to recognize that our ultimate confidence in life is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. It's rooted in in Jesus. And therefore, you can live confidently, not because you got it all figured out, not because you have everything, you know, all, all right and you're doing all the things right, because you're not, you're not going to. But you can live confidently without guilt and without shame. And you know what that means for a lot of us who struggle with those things a whole lot? It means not only that you can just live without guilt and shame, here's what it really means. It really means that therefore you can live because there are so many of us that are chained up by guilt and shame and we don't even feel like we can live because we're walking around dragging that, dragging a backpack of guilt and shame. Let Jesus take that, drop that at the foot of the cross and realize that he wants you to live. Because of what Jesus did for you, therefore, you can live. I think some of us need to do some business with God here for a couple of minutes today. Jesus eliminated guilt and shame because he took it all 
for you. And you know why? Not because of what you've done, not because of the things that you're doing, not because you're serving here or you're serving there or because of this or because of that or any of the other becauses that are filling your brain. It's because he loves you. And it's as simple as that because he loves you. And he loves you more than you can imagine, more than I can ever explain. Will you bow your heads with me? This is heavy. And there's a lot of processing, I think, that, that is going on here with a lot of us. And I think we need to just take some time to pour our hearts out to the Lord. I believe in the power of prayer. And I know that many of us do. And I think that some of us here walked in here carrying a ton of guilt and shame. And maybe it's time to lay it down at the foot of the cross. Maybe you need somebody to pray with, to cry with, to just hug you while you're pouring your heart out to the Lord. Maybe you don't even know for sure that you're going to be with Jesus in heaven. That Boy, does that lift a whole lot of guilt and shame from you by by coming to faith in Jesus and giving your life to him. If you need to do that today, we've got people in yellow lanyards that would love to talk to you, that would love to pray with you. They're up here in the front or they could even meet you in the back or meet you at the orange wall. You could come find one of us after the service and we'd love to talk and pray with you. You can even just come forward to the altar here if you wanna do that. The altar is always open. So I wanna give some quiet time just for a minute for all of us to just do some business with God. And to just silently, quietly pray right where you're at. If, if the Spirit's moving you to get up, then get up. Come on. Let's do it. But if you, if you need to stay where you're at and just pray and drop some of the guilt and shame, because no means no. And there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So I'm going to give just some quiet time for just a minute for all of us to pray and see what decisions maybe we need to make before the Lord. Father, I thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. I thank you that our guilt and our shame was crucified that day, once and for all. Help us to, to die daily and give it to you. Lord, some of us carry around these things way more than we should. In fact, all of us do. Some of us, it really, really weighs on us. So I pray for the freeing power of Jesus, of your resurrection power for all of us. Lord, the enemy's working overtime on some people and it starts with our minds. So help us, Lord, to, to focus on you. Help us to, to be more conscious of where our mind is going as to whether we're thinking about things that are lovely and pure and excellent and true or letting our sinful nature take our minds to places that it shouldn't go, which then affects what we do. 
Lord, I pray that if there is one here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that the guilt and the shame that maybe they, they're, they're walking with can drop off because of them knowing that they have a relationship with you and that they're going to be with you forever. God, you created us to be with you. As we've even talked about today, we can't do anything about our sin. We can't remove our sin on our own. It's only because of what you did for us and you did it for each and every person. Everyone means everyone, just like no means no. And we can have that eternal life with you that starts now. So Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to move through this place. If there's some that need to come forward and pray or meet with somebody in the yellow lanyard and pray, I pray that, that they would do that, that they would, that they would move toward there and that those conversations would happen. God, don't let this just stay here. Father, because of what you've done, we can live. And we praise you for that. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray.